Good morning. No, you can clap for Father's Day. That's all right. Yeah. Yeah, happy Father's Day to all you dads. Happy Father's Day to you dudes that step in and be a father to people. Happy Father's Day to you guys, too. Hey, you notice there's some treats in the pews there. There's some beef jerky and Smarties. Um, not saying that you're a jerk or anything. Or There's Smarties there. Uh, so, yeah, those are treats on us. That's for you guys. Uh, I'd like to welcome you. My name is Brandon. If you're visiting us this morning, I'm really glad that you're here this morning. Um, huge shout out. Um, well, you guys must have slept in because we had that 5K last night. Yeah. Like, I think the kids say that's off the hook, something like that. No, there was over 200 participants in that thing last night. It was awesome. Seriously, that was awesome. Thank you to all the volunteers who donated stuff, who stayed super late and helped us clean up stuff. Like, just thank you. It was a huge success. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting something right now. Am I forgetting? Check in. Thank you. Hey, get your mobile device. Do a little check-in on your social media. Do a little selfie or something. Uh, we don't do this just to be the cool church. Um, we are. Um, we, we do it because we believe in the message that is spoken here. We believe in the name of Jesus. And so we want to be radiant, not in our li- just in our lives, but we want to be radiant also on our social media. So be sure to check in. So that I just saw a selfie. That was awesome. Uh, I, we want to be that radiant expression even in our social media. We want others to see that. We want them to come hear the good news. But, hey, I'd like to pray for all you dads and pray into our service now. Uh, Lord Jesus, man, thanks for being our dad. And, Lord, maybe um, we grew up in a home where we didn't necessarily have a good example as a dad, but, Lord, thank you that you are our dad. Thank you for being that consistent father in our life in a very inconsistent world. And so, Lord, we praise you and we thank you for that. Lord, I pray for those folks who, man... They have that dad in their life, and man, he has just been that Jesus in our life. So, Lord, we praise you, and we thank you for those men in our life. Lord, I lift up this service to you. Lord, I pray that as we come in here, maybe we're carrying some baggage or there's things that are distracting us. Maybe we, maybe we got an argument just on the way here. Lord, I pray that we could set those things aside and and hear a spoken word from you. So, Lord, I lift up Pastor Ryan to you. I pray that you would use him in a mighty way. I pray that he is a vessel of your word and that you would speak to us right where we are at. So, Lord, we, we surrender this morning to you. We give you the honor. We give you the praise and the glory. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, good morning, friends. It's good to see everyone here this morning as we celebrate Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you fathers. And we're on our summer teaching series titled 10, and we're looking at the Ten Commandments. And I think this morning's conversation is critical and super important about these Ten Commandments. Now, if you were asked, can you name the Ten Commandments, we laugh at that video and we laugh and we giggle because they're like, uh... Uh, mm, you try. 
So with the people around you, try to come up with the Ten Commandments in about 30 seconds, all right? Go. How'd we do? It was pretty cool. I saw hands like we're at six. Uh, we're good. Any get all ten? For those of you who are double service people, yeah? Here's the list of our ten commandments that God gives. As soon as you open up his word, it's like in Genesis and Exodus, and there's a list of ten commandments. No other gods, no graven images, do not misuse the Lord's name. Keep the Sabbath holy. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not covet. And for many of us, we can name two to three, maybe six or seven, and we begin to fizzle out there. Most people begin about here. Very rarely do we actually start with number one and number two. But yet, that's right where God begins his commandments. See, when you look into God's word and you look into the biblical text and the writers, the writers are writing with purpose. There is a reason why God puts no other gods as the very first commandment. God say, no other gods. I'm to be your one and only. There is no other God. It's I, no other gods. And by the way, don't make an image out of me. This morning, we're going to dive into these two right here, and for the rest of the summer, we're going to take them week by week, but we're not going in order, so don't sit there and say, I don't like that one, I can skip that Sunday. I'll tell you, next week, I'm picking one from here and doing it. We're not going in order. But this morning, we're going to tackle the first two because that's the way God sets it up, and I think there's reason for it. And God's saying, I'm your one and only don't make an image out of me. Why? Well, this morning I want to have two conversations with us in order to fully understand these first two commandments that God makes. And the first conversation is going to be their world. We got to jump back into their world and understand why is God writing these certain things to his people? Why? What's going on in their world? Does it make sense to them? And how does it apply to us today? So we jump into their world. You want to turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. It's the second book in your Bible if you've got your text with you. If not, it's on the screen. Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to start right at verse 1. Exodus 20 verse 1 begins this way. And God spoke all these words. Here he begins. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of what? We looked at this verse last week as we kicked off our summer series 10 together. And if you missed it, jump online at the radiantlife.church, hit media, and you can get caught up. But immediately God is reminding his people, before I jump into the rules, 
Before I put these boundaries up, I want you to know you are rescued and I'm the God who brought you out of it. 430 years of slavery, brick after brick after brick, 24-7. It's I who rescued you out of that. And last week we talked about rescue first, rule second. Rescue first, rules what? And we're so good many times of putting rules on people before we even develop a relationship with them. Ah, you don't meet up to my standard. I'm pretty sure you look in the Newer Testament, who did Jesus hang out with the most? The oppressed, the sinners, the outsider, the prostitute, the hated, the tax collectors. It's Jesus who hung out with them the most. Jesus didn't go and say, you guys need to clean your act up, then you can come to me. He says, no, 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 no. It's all about my relationship with you first. We'll get to the boundaries and how to behave, but I need to remind you who you are first. And now God is going to give the ten. And we're going to look at the first two. It says this. And you shall have no other what? Gods before me, right? I'm the first, I'm the only, no other gods before me. And then the second, God says this. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of what? There's nothing in the form of anything. And then God gives three examples in the form of this. In the heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water below. Do not make an image out of anything. So no other gods. I am your one and only. Remember, I'm the one who rescued you. No other gods. And by the way, don't make an image out of me. I don't care if it's an image of in the sky or on earth or in the seas below. No image of me. We've got to understand the Israelites' world. In Egypt, for generation after generation after generation, their world. Here's a picture of a map we saw last week if you were here. It was here in Egypt that they were slaves. Over 400 years of slavery, 400 years of idol worship, thousands of gods worshipped in Egypt. And here, God is rescue them, rescuing them out of this. It's no wonder why God says, no other gods before me, and don't make an image. This was the Egyptian god and idol worship. And then they're going to spend 40 years in the Sinai Peninsula there. In the wilderness, also known as the desert, and don't think desert as in like sand or the Arabian desert, it's rock. And they're going to spend 40 years, but it's three months after they leave Egypt that God's going to give them these commandments, these commitments, these rules to live within, to have true life. And then they're going to eventually make their way to the promised land, which is present day Israel. It's the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey. And this is their world. We saw a picture last week of Egyptian gods, their world. Remember, we're in their world of Egyptian gods. This is Geb, Shu, and Nut, who are three Egyptian gods. And these are their worshipers. And Geb down here, he's the god of the earth. He's got his knee up to represent like the highs and the mountains. He's got his low valleys here and here. And so in Egyptian culture, you're going to worship the earth. You're going to worship Geb. And then you have Shu here, who's the god of the sky, and he's holding up the atmosphere, the stars, and this is Shu. So pick your god. Who are you going to worship? What's interesting in this is 
This is Shu. Shu is the father of Nut and Geb. But it doesn't stop there. Shu, when he gets married, Shu has a relationship with another goddess, and they have another child called Isis. And here's a picture of Isis and healing. So if you needed healing, you're going to go and worship the god, goddess of Isis because you're going to multiple gods to meet multiple needs. That was their culture. Multiple gods to meet multiple needs. They had thousands and hundreds and thousands of gods that they worshipped. Here's some more gods that they worship. This god is Anubis. He's represented by a, what's that? I don't know either. <laughs> We're like, is it a fox? Is it a jackal? What is it? But this is the god of the underworld. You want your relatives to live long and prosper in the afterlife? You're going to throw images and models and graven images of Anubis in where they're buried. You're going to worship this god now. And it doesn't stop there. After Anubis, there's Kafari, which is represented by a beetle. And this beetle is called a dung beetle. Anyone seen The Mummy, the movie The Mummy? This is that beetle thing, all right? And they, yeah, and here's a, here's a picture of, of it. And the Egyptians saw the way that the dung beetle worked, and it takes dung and puts it and then makes a ball out of it. And the Egyptians saw that as renewal of things. So you need, you need something in your own life to just be renewed and rebirthed. You're going to worship that God. And then next, that's the god Ra. Notice he's represented by like a hawk or a bird, and above him is the sun. This is the god of the sun. You knew your vegetation needs sun in order to thrive. You may worship this god. Not only do you need sun, you need water to thrive in Egypt. You've got the Nile River right there, and you're hoping that baby floods, and we have vegetation, veg whatever, you know the word, right? What is it? Vegetation, there we go. Sorry, I was up till one this morning. <laughs> and so, this is their God. This is Sobek, represented by that crocodile alligator head. God says, no image out of anything in the heavens or on earth or the waters beneath. Welcome to their world. Here's a Sobek Temple by the Nile River, and you've worshipped this, and if you needed, you needed water for your crops, you're going to come here and worship at this temple, because you want the Nile River to just overflood, you want prosperity, and you're going to worship there. Welcome to their world. Four generations, 400 plus years, that the Israelites have been indoctrinated by this Egyptian God and idol worship. And it doesn't stop. Oh, their, their ideology, they multiple gods to meet multiple needs. Multiple gods to meet multiple needs. Multiple gods to meet what? You make it up. I need to worship the god of carpet. All right, go worship it. Because our carpet's in bad shape. I mean, they worship multiple gods to meet multiple needs. And God is saying, no other gods before me. Only I can do this. I can meet all your needs. But in Egyptian culture, multiple gods to meet multiple needs. And then here's the map again as they leave Egypt. And they're going to enter into the promised land. They're leaving all this god and idol worship. 
And God tells them here, no other gods, no graven image of me. I'm your one and only. And they're entering Canaan. They're leaving one type of worship that has idols and gods, and they're entering another land that has idols and gods. Here is their God. One of their number one gods that they worship is Baal, or Baal, however you want. Let me hear you say Baal, Baal. So whatever one you like best, there you go. This is on the stone. These are idols, and you see like he's a track athlete. It looks like he's going to throw a javelin. He would actually have a lightning bolt in his hand. This is the God of the storm, God of the rain. And in the land of Canaan, you have no major water source. In Egypt, you have that Nile River. That thing is huge. You have all the Nile River Delta that goes out. You have it. And way far out east, you have the Euphrates and the Tigris River. You're set there. But in the land of Canaan, in present-day Israel, there's no major water source. So those people who dependent on water, you want water, worship Baal. Worship everything that he has because water is life. And you need to survive. And you need prosperity. So worship this. Now that's their world. Multiple gods to meet multiple needs. Multiple gods to meet multiple needs. Now let's have our last conversation. Let's talk about our world. Because some of us are like, well, thanks Thanks, Ryan. I will now take all my Baal idols off of my mantle. I now know. Baal, thank you. <laughs> I think in our world today, though, we have gods and we have images, but they're more discreet. They sneak up on us, and they're a lot more quiet than that. See what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Galatia. He writes this letter to these first, first generation followers of Jesus. Remember, Paul hated the Jesus movement, voted to kill Christians, and then he experienced Jesus and he's on fire um, starting churches all over. And this is what he writes to these first generation followers of Jesus who are trying to figure out what this Jesus movement is in the first world. And he writes this. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. In other words, hire an executioner and get rid of everything that belongs to your earthly nature. And now he's going to give us a list. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is what, friends? Idolatry. Greed is that desire to want more and more and more and more. And Paul's saying that is idolatry. We want more in our bank account. We're never satisfied what's in there. I need more. I need more. 
We need to fill our closets more clothes or more stuff, and we need to fill our barns and our garages. We feel like we just have to have more things in order to be satisfied. And Paul's writing, no, 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 you got to hire an executioner and kill that thing because that is idolatry in your life. It's an awesome book that I came across by Tim Keller. He's a pastor in New York. He wrote this book, Counterfeit Gods. The Empty Promises of Money, Sex, and Power, and the Only Hope That Matters. He talks about these sudden gods that we have in our lives in the 21st century that sneak up on us. And here's a quote from this book. This is what he says. An idol is whatever you look at and say in your heart of hearts, if I have that, then I'll feel my life has meaning. Then I know I have value, and then I'll feel significant in what, friends? If I only had that. If I just had that, I know I'll have meaning and value and significance, and I'll feel secure. If I only had that. He says, that's an idol. So what are some idols in our lives today? Technology. Many of us go to social media for everything. We go there to find our value, to find our meaning, to find our significance, to feel secure. We want to know how many likes, how many shares have we gotten. We go to social media for everything. We put everything out there. And I know we say it here, you know, we push social media because I will say and take a quick time out. The amount of new people visiting our church and website has been astronomical with this social media push. That's why we do it. But for so many, we look at this for all value. And we turn this into a God. And it doesn't stop there. This can represent pornography to many. One click away from absolute family disaster. And statistics... 50% of you men struggle with this. That means half this room, you don't. This half, you do. And women, you're on the fastest rise of addiction in all of history we've ever seen. The women number is just jumping all the time in big leaps and bounds. It's scary. We have gods and idols with this. For some, it's sports. We put everything into this. We'll put our kids into everything possible, and all of a sudden, they dictate our lives. Because we think if our kid just becomes a superstar at this or that, and they'll have meaning, and I'll find meaning and value and significance in, in what my child does. I'm obsessed with sports. I love Michigan football. Hi, Adam. I love Saturday afternoons in the fall. 
man, watching Michigan football at the big house, there's nothing like it, and I scream, and I yell at the TV, and I may or may not throw things. I don't know. But I always said, I better be more excited to come to church and worship Jesus than I am about Michigan football. My kids better see that. But we will allow this to become a God in our lives. Subtle. It sneaks in. It's not all these images and idols of their world back in the ancient times when God gives them things, but it's there. It sneaks in. It's my daughter's piggy bank. Money. Jesus even speaks to this 2,000 years ago. He says, you can't serve two masters. You can't both serve me and money. You choose who you're going to serve. We chase this. We sacrifice time with family, with friends. We sacrifice time with God to get this because we're never satisfied. We always need more. Money. Food. How many of you love to eat? <laughs> How many of you are hungry right now? <laughs> Go get the beef jerky then, all right, and the Smarties. But many of us turn to this to deal with pain. We'll just turn to food. We'll turn there. And we don't even see this. This is something that sneaks up on us. But we can allow food to become a God and an idol in our lives. And God says, I want to be your one and only. No other image. I'm your one and only. Family. We'll put family above everything, will we not? It's a good thing. But the issue is we can take good things and make them everything. That's where our issue comes. God gives families. God, families are awesome. Kids are awesome. Nieces and nephews, grandkids, they're great. Everything's great about family. But when we make it our everything, we've made our family a God. We make our kids gods. We make them go after everything, and we've got trophy kids all the time. Look what my child did. How come on Facebook we never see anything our child is messing up? We only post what our child has done. Yay, look at my kid. Hey, I, I want to high five your kid too. It's awesome when they succeed, right? And I'm not saying that, but we never show the ugly side of our lives on social media. And we will try to lift them up as high as we can, and we've made gods out of our kids. I don't even know what this is. <laughs> Dry shampoo. We've made beauty a God. We wake up every day saying, am I pretty enough? I'm not enough. And we got to wake up every day saying, I'm a loved son of God. I'm a loved daughter of my creator. 
That's what we got to wake up every day and look in the mirror and say. But instead, we're so busy with exercise, with beauty, with our weight, that we chase this above God. We're obsessed with it. got heavy. I believe in my heart this is our biggest cultural God we face. We turn to this to numb pain, to get out of our stress and anxiety instead of turning to your creator. We turn to this. And above anything, this destroys families really quick. And we'll come home from a stressful day of dealing with kids or dealing with work or whatever we're facing and we'll just kick back a beer and then it's two and it's three and you're just numbing pain because you don't want to deal with the family, you don't want to deal with the life at six o'clock, seven o'clock and eight o'clock at night. We turn to this. We have made alcohol a God in our lives. And we probably know someone, a neighbor, a family member, in our sphere of influence that struggles with this. We have made alcohol a God. And we turn to this more than anything. I imagine, I wonder what God is like sitting up in heaven saying, you are turning to all of that to meet your needs. And I said, I am your one and only God. No other gods. This will give you temporary relief in your life. It will. This will never satisfy you. This will never complete you. Only God can. I want to read a little prayer that Tim Keller has in his book. He says, I see that you may be calling me to live a life without something I never thought I could live without. But if I have you, referring to God, if I have you, I have the only wealth, health, love, honor, and security I really need and cannot lose. As many have learned and later taught, you don't realize Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Wow. Wow. And some of this is good, thanks. Thanks but we've made it the ultimate thing. And some of this is good things, but we make it everything. And what I want to, for us, church, is we begin this 10 series this summer is understand what are gods in our lives that we put in the place and role of the true God in our life. Right now, the worship team's gonna pop up and they're gonna start handing you guys out some cards and the one side, it says this. What's your God? If there's anything I want you to walk away is knowing that this in my life is counterfeit God and I got to get rid of it. I have put this above God. This is actually my first and foremost and not God. What's your God? And what we want to do with this series is we're going to 
still 10 more parts of this series. And again, we're not going to go in order of the Ten Commandments. This is, I believe, God setting the foundation. What is your God? Is what we want to do. Is for you to bring in what has represented God in your life that you have put above him. For many of us, it may be something like a picture frame or just food, a bag of chips, or it may be this, it may be a beauty product, it may be a sport item, whatever that is, we're going to ask you this series to think about what your God is and bring it in. I know some of you are like, whoa, I don't want to bring that in. It's a little much. We ask that you would bring it in a paper sack or something that we can't see it, and you're going to drop it off on either that wing or that wing. And what throughout this series, as this comes in, we're going to have a big pile of our gods. And as staff, we're going to go through it midweek, so we're not going to go in after church and be like, oh, so-and-so brought this. We're not even going to know who brought what back in. But the point is, you will. The point is, let's give up our counterfeit gods in our lives to worship the one who should be sitting at our throne all the time. Can I tell you, my God? Two weeks ago, I got the privilege to go to Madison, Wisconsin with a group of eight other pastors for a little life-giving trip that we went on. And we met this guy by the name of Dave Gary. He owns a lot of fitness clubs in the Madison, Wisconsin area. And we got to stay at his lake house, and he's got a ranch house, and he's just pouring life into us eight pastors. And I got broke. He said something over and over that was breaking me that God was speaking to me. Dave kept saying, your heavenly father just wants to be in the boat with you, to hang out and spend time with you. He kept saying, you are loved son. Just get in the boat. And the dad, is, the father's already proud of you. He can't love you anymore. And I sat there on his couch, weeping. Some of the other pastors were too. And what I realized is, my counterfeit God was success. I don't want to disappoint people. So I'll work my tail off to not disappoint. And as he spoke, it was like God ripping my heart open and says, Ryan, I'm already proud of you. Just get in the boat with me and let me have spend time. Just hang out. I got everything. Just get in the boat with me and hang out. I love you. What's your God? I want to close with this. Jesus is my what? One more time. Jesus is my... Is that true for you this morning? Only he can satisfy and bring true life. That's temporal. This is forever. 
May Jesus be our everything. Let me pray for us. God, difficult conversation this morning. For so many of us, we're thinking of all these counterfeit gods that we have put in your place. And 3,000 plus years ago, you write to your people and you say, no other gods before me and don't make an image out of it. But here we are in the 21st century and we've done the exact same thing. Things that have crept in our lives that are subtle, discreet, that we've put before you. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just invade our hearts and our minds this week to reveal those things that we've put in front of you. And that we would be brave enough to bring those things into this, these four walls and just to give it up to you this series. God, may you always be the first and only in our lives. God, you are awesome. And we thank you for who you are. May you be our obsession. We ask this in your name. Amen. You are my everything. One more time. Jesus, you are my everything. May we always put Jesus first in our lives. Above everything. Every counterfeit God that exists, may Jesus be first. At this time, ushers, you can come forward. We'll take up this morning's uh, connection cards and offering. If you have your connection card at the bottom of your bulletin, rip that off. If you're a first-time guest at Radiant Life, welcome to Radiant Life. And as a gift of appreciation, you can take your connection card to the Radiant Cafe. Free drinks on us just to say thank you for worshiping with us. And um, if you're a first-time guest, sit on your wallet as we say at Radiant Life. This is for followers of Jesus just to give back to what God has blessed us with. And I say this a lot when I have the offering. I truly mean this. Thank you for being a God-first church, a God-first people, because it makes a difference. Thank you for inviting and investing in this church, for inviting and investing in your friends that you invite to come here. 21 people last week surrendered their lives to Jesus for the first time. So that's amazing. So thank you. And let me, let me pray for this offering. Father God, you are awesome. And we do thank you for what transpired last night at our 5K. I pray that the money that comes in just blesses this community. I pray, God, this morning for both the gift and the giver that we would expand your kingdom through this offering, that it would be a blessing for many. God, thank you for giving us. We are so blessed. We don't even realize it sometimes. So, Father, receive our hearts in this offering. And God, happy Father's Day. To the Heavenly Father that will never leave us nor forsake us. Thank you for being awesome. Thank you for being that God and a heavenly father that 
loves us no matter what. That gives us second and third and fourth and fifth chances and so on and so on. For always loving us. For having a smile on our face when we just lift up your name and worship. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. you guys, but I am so thankful for the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, my name is Patricia. I'm the kids and creative arts pastor here. Just a couple of really quick announcements for you. Next week, we kick off kids camp. We have 80 kids registered for that so far, so we are super excited about that. If you signed up to be a volunteer, I have some information for you, so if you want to find me after, I can get you that info. Also, next Sunday is Baptism Sunday, and we are also equally excited about that. If you signed up to be baptized, see Pastor Ryan down here right after the service. Dads, happy Father's Day, and everybody have a great rest of the weekend.